Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I have plans this weekend to do a few things around our house. Camp, just like you, there are some renovation things that started about 12 months ago that still have not been completed. And even as I speak to you right now, at my house, I have paint out, I have rollers out, I've got everything, I've bought everything, the only thing that remains is the actual work. And so now I am hoping that tomorrow I'm going to be able to get to do some of that work. I totally lost inspiration for this within the last 12 months. And so can I tell you, uh, one of the things that I did to get a little bit of inspiration is I went on, on Pinterest. Do you know what Pinterest is? Hands up if you know what Pinterest is. Okay, so most of you, for anybody that doesn't know, it's, uh, imagine an app that just... You can search for anything that you want to search for, and it just brings up pictures that may maybe um, inspire you. And so for me, you know, the thing that I wanted to do is I, <clears throat> I wanted to, we wanted to do some renovations on our house and paint and, and you know, how are we going to set out the lounge room and all the rest of it. So um, however long ago it was, I went on Pinterest and uh, I started searching for you know, ways to design our room and colors and color palettes. And I get on to, to the app and as I'm searching through these inspirational pictures for our house and, you know, a potential decking that we want to do, um, this really funny picture came up that I didn't expect. And what I had forgotten is that a number of months earlier, I had been doing some research about Africa. And this picture came up on my Pinterest account of this African tribe of women, but they don't wear any tops. Okay, they're not wearing any tops. And I got that and I thought, oh, I said, well, I don't want this to come up in my feed. So on Facebook, what you can do is you click on the picture and you say, that you don't want to see anything like this. See fewer ads like this one. So I clicked on the picture so that fewer ads would come up. And I'm searching for the spot that says, see fewer pictures like this. But it's not in there. And I can't find it. And I think, all right, well, I don't want to do this anymore, so I'm going to get out of there. So I go out, but what I didn't realize was that when I clicked on the picture, it changed my preferences. And now it says, oh, you like that? (laughs) Searching for houses, houses. Oh, hello. Now I've got pictures, but they're not of an African tribe. It's just contemporary life. Same sort of thing, though. And I think to myself... You're, you're about to lose some respect for me right now, but it's only when it comes to technology because I look at this and I think, this is no good, I can't have this. So I say to myself, you know, the first time I went into this, maybe I just missed where the button was that, that changes my preferences. I know what I'm going to do. This time, 
I'm going to click on the picture and I refuse to click out of this picture until I can find the button that says see fewer ads like this. So I click on the picture and after about five minutes, I'm convinced that that setting was not contained in the picture, right? But I have a problem now because I go out of that picture and Pinterest says, you really like this stuff, do you? So I go through my feed, I'm like, I can't even look at Pinterest anymore. So I close down the app and I, and I forget about that. So I park that thought. So anyway, we're planning for Christmas and I think I need a, a with, with our staff teams. And I think to myself, we need some inspiration um, for our winter Christmas themes, you know. So what do I do? Well, where do I find my inspiration on Pinterest? So I, in the middle of the meeting, I open up my Pinterest account and I couldn't believe what was on there as the first picture, nothing about houses, and I closed that thing down faster than the speed of light. I was hoping that no one could see what was on my Pinterest account, right? And I'm totally embarrassed by this, so I shut it down, and then I found that there was an update to the app later on. And I'm talking with my wife about this, I'm talking with Sarah about this, and we discover, right, we're looking at her account and others, that they now have a button that you can push that says, see fewer pictures like this one, right? So what do I do? I go back into the app, and I open it up, and I click on it, see fewer pictures. I'm happy to say that my Pinterest is clean, okay? Yeah, yeah. But to me, it, it, it was something that gained a life of its own, and it did because, to be honest, we live in a sex-saturated society. Actually, get this, let me tell you this. In a recent study by Barna, which are a um, research, Christian research company, they said that 71% of young adults will come across pornography each week without even looking for it. It's just present. It's available. And I think it's a symptom of a bigger problem. We're in the middle of a series that's called Different. Normal is overrated, okay? And I want to preach a message to you today called Catch It, all right? Now, this message is a PG message, but there are a couple of mature themes that I plan to touch on today because it's important. And if you have someone in here that's around, you know, maybe age 12, they know more about this than you do. That's what the stats would actually tell us. So I just thought I'd let you know. Now I'm going to read a scripture to you. And this comes out of Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to begin in verse 27. Jesus is in the middle of the greatest message of all time. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. He is preaching, doing an incredible job, and there is no place that Jesus won't go. We're about to discover that. He says in verse 27, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. Most people would agree with that. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. This is intense. 
For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Oh, this is so serious. For it is better that you lose one of your members, which is a part of your body, than that of your whole body go into hell. Um, Every bad decision you have ever made has begun with a thought. And research would tell us that you have around 60,000 thoughts per day. Many of these thoughts that you have, you will not even be aware of. They are simple decision-making thoughts. You get in to drive the car, there's a whole process attached. You're not conscious of the fact that you're thinking or making decisions, you're just doing it, but you're still having thoughts. Now, some of these thoughts are going to stand out to us. And some of these thoughts are going to seem like they're very positive thoughts. And other, the other thoughts are going to seem like they're very negative thoughts. But some of them will stand out to you. I remember when I was a, a, a little boy and I was over at my friend's house and his parents decided that they were going to go and do some shopping for just a short period of time. And my friend got me and he said, I want to show you something in a book. I said, okay. We went to just their bookshelf in their lounge room, and he took a book off the shelf. It might have been like, I think it was just an educational book, like one on anatomy. And he showed me this outline of a, it was like a hand drawing of a naked woman's body. And I saw that image, just a drawing. I saw that and immediately it stood out to me as something that was wrong. We knew it because we decided that it would be best not to tell anyone about this line drawing that we looked at. And that thought and those feelings, they, they kind of stood out to me. And I had this sense of guilt about what we had looked at. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is preaching this message, he's not trying, again, to change the standard, or or he's actually, sorry, he's not trying to change what people previously held to be true. He's bringing correction to a uh, prevailing thought in the culture that would stop at the point where they say adultery is wrong. I feel like no matter what audience we had here today, we could almost say, you know, collectively, that adultery is a bad idea. But Jesus takes it one step further and he says, hey, listen, you guys have heard it said that adultery is bad, but there's a problem with just stopping at the act. Because the act simply measures the outside of people's lives. It's simply their behaviors. It's simply their actions. And the problem with this is that so many of the wrong things that people do don't begin with the action. That's just the last cab off the rank. It begins with a thought. It begins somewhere deep inside the heart. And Jesus touches on issues that we can't see. And he's dealing in this part of his sermon with the issue of lust. And here's what I've discovered to be true about lust, it is invisible. You can't see it. Let me show you a picture here today. Here is a beautiful couple that, you know, probably present very well and they look like they've got it all together. 
And yet if I was to tell you that one of these two was struggling intensely with lustful thoughts and they had the wrong desires, right? Could you pick which one it was? Some of you are thinking it's the man. It's not necessarily the man. In fact, research would tell us that this is not an issue that affects men. It affects people. So when we look at this and we see this beautiful and this happy couple and here they are, this is what I would call a presentation. And people are very good at presenting what they want other people to see on the outside. And these people could be anyone. I mean, if you look at the information and the stats and the research, we would discover that these people could be uh, uh, just normal, everyday, average people. They could be business owners. They could go to church every single week. How many of us would understand that particularly when it comes to church, people are very good at masking what's going on inside of their heart. In fact, these guys could even be pastors of a church and still be struggling with stuff that's going on inside of their heart because this issue simply affects people. Now, if you're here today and you're new to church, you're probably thinking, I knew they were going to talk about sex because that's what we speak about most of the time. No, in fact, it's not. We, th- this has just happened to come up in, in, in this week, and so I, I want to speak on this topic because I think it's an issue that affects everybody's life. But if you aren't new to church, let me explain something to you. You can do the best that you want to manage the outside of your life, but you should know that God is looking at your heart. In fact, if you are the kind of person that think that the way to get to God is just be really good and behave on the outside, well, you're probably just more religious than the rest of us are. Because really, you know what we think? We think that as Christian people, that God is measuring the thoughts, the intentions of our heart. He's able to measure the intention of our heart. That's what he's judging. Now, I have good news today. No matter what you've done, the mistakes that you've made, whatever you have done, you can be forgiven for every sin. The Bible is so clear on this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you're going to be forgiven. God will forgive you with, for, for, for the bad things or wrong things that you've done. But he's so serious about this issue. And the, and, and the question is, why is Jesus so serious about this issue surrounding people's thoughts? And the answer is actually very simple. It's because thoughts lead people to action. Now, Gandhi did not get everything right, but he did say this. Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. And the point is, is that what starts in your mind will eventually be worked out in your behavior. And it makes sense that if people do this on an individual level, then our culture would do the same thing. 
When it comes to our culture, we would move in the direction of our prevailing thoughts, the consensus of our thoughts together. And you might be shocked to learn where our culture is headed. In fact, there is a a series that's on Netflix that I watched the other day, and the series is just called Explained. And they take things that you don't know much about and they explain it to you. So the first episode was on this thing called K-pop. Who knew that was a thing? And I know so much about, you know, Korean pop culture now that I didn't know before. It was explained to me. But it keeps going. And what's the next one, right? Well, the next one is about a culture that is totally embracing of polygamy. And the idea really was that this entire movement of people are saying, why should we be monogamous? Why should we be limited to just having one sexual partner? And I was talking um, this week you know, with one of the guys at church about this, and he said to me, oh, that's terrible. He said, what about the other partner? You know, I said, no, no, no. I, I said, this thought is across both partners in the relationship. So they have what's called a primary relationship, and then they have secondary relationships, and so on and so on, and both people are happy with this. And they say, why should, we're, we're not meant to be monogamous. We, we should just live the way that we're supposed to live. And they say, you know what, if we, if we were to embrace polygamy as a way of life, there's no such thing as adultery. So we would essentially eliminate adultery. And what about this? We could eliminate the sense of guilt when it comes to adultery. Why? Well, it doesn't exist anymore because you can have as many partners as you want. Now, if you're here today and you go to church on a regular basis, right now you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. Well, wrong is only wrong when compared to a standard. Now, if you're here today and you're new to church, you are off the hook. (laughs) Off the hook. You know why? Because it would be silly of us as Christian people to hold people who don't even believe in God to the same standard that we hold. So you are off the hook. But what do I want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about, in our culture, what's shifting over the last couple of years. I want to talk about what is now being normalized in our culture, because what is wrong today is probably not going to be wrong maybe in five years. And if you look back over history, things have shifted and changed so much. So I want to show you a few pieces of information that might be interesting to you today. Again, this is from Barna, this Christian research organization. And you should know that as I read this information to you today, that this includes both Christian and non-Christian people in it. It says, well, when they talk about porn with their friends... 89% of teens and 95% of young adults say they do so in a neutral, accepting, or encouraging way. And that is, only 1 in 20 young adults and 1 in 10 teens say their friends think viewing pornography is a bad thing. So what once was very bad and, and, and very wrong and maybe kept covered and secretive is now actually very, very open and can be viewed as quite a good thing. 32% say viewing porn is usually or always wrong, compared to 56% who say that recycling is usually or always wrong. As a culture, we are more convicted about recycling than we are about viewing pornography. 
Next one. 62% of teens and young adults have received a sexually explicit message and 41% have sent one, usually from to their boy or girlfriend or, or friend. And let me tell you this. I had so much information that I could share with you today, but I have limited this to the stuff that would indicate that our culture is shifting. I'm not interested in the people who say they feel bad about viewing that stuff. I'm interested in the people saying, hey, this is good. And this is not a message. This is not a message about pornography. This is not a message about that. This is a message about lust. This is a message about what's becoming normal. This is a message about what our culture is presently embracing and how things are beginning to shift in a direction that we might not think is okay. You know, normal in the sense of the content of what I'm talking about today, normal is not just overrated, it's completely dysfunctional. And beyond that, it's not an issue for men. Some of you might be thinking, you should just be saying this at a men's conference. You should say this at a men's breakfast. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, the information would tell us that this is a human problem. This is an issue for people. And so Jesus is talking about adultery, but what's that? It's an expression of lust. What's pornography? It's just an expression of lust. And he traces it all the way back to this issue called lust and says, this is really the main problem. Stop masking the outside. Start to deal with the issues on the inside. And so for some of us, we're thinking, oh my gosh, well, there's a lot of expressions of lust. You know, where does it, where does it end and, and, and where does it begin? Is it lust to notice that somebody that you've seen is attractive? Is that lust? No, that's not lust. You just, of course, you've you got eyes. If you've got eyes, you can notice stuff, right? <laughs> you know, come on. Can we, is that all right if we could just be real in church today? Is that okay with you? Yeah. Okay, like three or four people, I'll just preach to you. <laughs> it's okay to notice that people are attractive, okay? So you notice that someone's attractive and, and you see that, right? But the question might be, you noticed it, do you keep noticing it? Do you keep inviting it? Do you, do you keep looking at it? Maybe it's not how many times you look. Maybe it's uh, the length of time that you look. Uh, let me give you an example of this. You go to the gym, right? And you're working out. And you notice something. You just want to make sure that they got the right posture. You know? Yep. Make sure you have got the right... I care about your life. Don't put your back out. Don't want to see you hurt yourself, just making sure that everything's in alignment. Listen, this is a problem, okay? This is a problem. Stop noticing, okay? Because it could become an issue for you. It's amazing what you'll entertain and what you'll begin to notice. Sarah and I were watching TV. Um, this is in the last seven days. We're watching TV, and this intense sex scene comes on the TV. And so I just look down. And, uh, and I said to Sarah, I said, you know, I've noticed that the only way to delete the memory is to never see it. Because I'm highly visual and I'll just record it. And so I looked down and I said, and as I said that, I looked at her and I said, that is so good. I'm going to quote myself next week at church. And now you just heard it. I actually wrote that down for you today. 
I thought that was a genuine response from my heart. Wow, that was so good, you know? So I wanted you to hear it. And so some of you might say, that is so extreme. What, to look away when you see something that you shouldn't be looking at? You think I'm extreme? Wow. Consider origin of Alexander, who was a second century theologian who actually emasculated himself because he was trying to control his sexual desires. Well, what a disappointment that was when he realized that they didn't come from here. Imagine... (laughs) Imagine finding out, oh, it's my brain. (laughs) You know? Have you ever had regrets? (laughs) And some of you go, that is so extreme. Well, I guess he just had a high standard. Here's what I've learned. Everybody's got a standard. It's just that some are very low and some are very high. So what is your standard? What's your standard? Do you have one? You, well, you do, but you might not be aware of what it is yet. It might be low, it might be high, but somewhere you've got a standard. And I feel like there's 50 shades of confusion about this thing. <laughs> What's really wrong? I only read it for the articles, you know? And, and you know, here, here's what I would think about that, is that anything that begins a thought in your mind that takes you in a direction that you shouldn't be going is probably something you shouldn't be consuming. And if you think that, well, they didn't really think about that back in Jesus' day, yes, they did. In fact, the word pornea, it actually means pretty much anything that's sexually immoral. And they had another word, pornographus, which means the writings of prostitutes. And these things, all of these things were wrong, but guess what? Our culture has found a way to make it right. We simply lower the standard past the point of guilt, and now we can feel better about what we're doing. I don't have to feel guilty. I just need low standards. You know what I learned? You need to know this. You can lower your standard. It'll still really hurt you. It won't help you. In fact, research would tell us that men and women that were exposed to soft-core pornography were less impressed with their marriage partner and it brought issues and dysfunction into their marriage. And you want to know why? Because what starts to happen is people start to compare what they see on screen or what they view in a book or what they read in a book, they start to compare that to their partner. And if you think, that's okay, I'm single, doesn't affect me, you will carry this dysfunction into your marriage. There is no escape for anyone that lowers the standard to the point where they're happy to consume this stuff. It will damage your life. It damages your ideas of sex. It damages your ideas of functional human interaction and relationship. And a lot of people are going to tell you, come on, this is normal. This is normal. It's good. Normal is overrated. Normal is dysfunctional. It will make you dysfunctional. You want to talk about weird Back in the day where you used to have to go to the uh, DVD store to hire movies, I I went and we hired, Sarah and I hired a movie, took it home and began to watch it. 
And as we're watching it, again, this intense sexual stuff came on in the, in the movie. I just thought, you know, this is just not helpful for me. So I'm going to turn this off, and this might sound really weird to you, but I took that DVD back to the store in the same night, because I still paid six bucks. <laughs> so I'm going to go back, and I'm going to change it for something else. So I walk back into the store, and there's a, the DVD, you know, the people that work there in the store, they say to me, was there something wrong with the DVD? And as this lady asked this question, the other two people that work there turn around to hear my response. And after thinking through and fumbling through a couple of, uh, well, you know, it was the, uh, I said, you know what? I said, the truth is, is that there were some really intense sexual scenes on there, and I just prefer to hire something else. They thought I was so weird. They looked at me like, you have serious problems. They kind of looked at each other like, who is this guy? They said, all right, we'll just choose something else then. What a freak, you know? So, so I go and I hire something else, you know? And this is not the first time this has happened. In fact, somebody told Sarah and I, hey, you guys should go see this movie. You'll love it. It's a great film. I said, all right. We get into the movie. The opening scene starts. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe what I'm currently looking at. We thought, look, you know, maybe this is one of those movies where they try to impact you in the first opening scene and it gets better from there. It just went downhill. So, so I said to Sarah, we said to each other, let's get out of here, you know? So I walk out of the movie and I go down to, we're in, you know, village cinemas and we go down again to the people that work there. I said, look, we just came out of a movie, but I'd like to see something else. And they say, what was wrong with what you were looking at, you know? I said, well, the thing is, it had a lot of, there was, and there was a part where, um, <laughs> I am a pastor of a local church, and I need to see something else. And they went, no problem, like, you, you know, go, go see something else because they knew the movie that I was watching. As soon as I said, I am a pastor of a local church, you know, they, they, they said, you know, here. And so we went and we, we watched another movie. You know what? That's so weird, right? But it's only weird when you compare it to what you consider to be normal. You know? And so what is Jesus really saying here? He's saying, I want you to live above the standard of the culture that you find yourself in. You should... Be different. And when it comes to sex, you should be different in the way that you think about things. When it comes to, you know, I don't know, like anything that would be an issue connected to that deep thing that we call lust. You know, even just last year or the year before, my kids and I, we went on a walk. It was meant to be fun and relaxing. And as we are walking, what are the rules I give to my kids? I said to them, I said, don't stand on the road. And they said, okay, Dad. So what do I find? We, we start walking. Ten meters later, they're walking in the gutter, right? And I say to them, I thought I told you not to walk on the road. And they look at me with genuine innocence, and they say, Dad, the road is black. We're on the concrete. We are not on the road, right? At that point, I knew I had to draw the boundaries well back from anything that was too close to what was dangerous. So I said, all right, fine. You had to stick on the footpath. Don't even let your feet touch the grass, you know? And so they're like, okay, Dad, and they come back on. 
This is what Jesus is doing. He goes, you've heard that it's wrong to commit adultery. And he moves the boundaries all the way back from the act to the thought. And he says, because if we can start to change the way that you think, we can start to change the way that you live. And here is my point. You've got to catch the thought before it traps your life. Catch the thought before it traps your life. Catch it there, before anything's happened, before anything's gone wrong. Here's what James says. James says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. It's what's wrong on the inside of you that is finding itself attracted to the stuff that you maybe shouldn't be attracted to. It says, then desire when it is, has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. It's a process. In other words, it begins as a thought and it can end as an action. And here's what I've learned about what James said. He said, you know what? The more you feed yourself, the more there is to be lured and enticed. It's about what's going into your mind. Now, if you're here today and you say, you could be feeling so guilty today and you say, I am really fighting against this stuff. Well, at least you're still fighting. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, imagine if you weren't. If you've moved to the point where you're just comfortable with what I'm talking about and don't see any issues with it, you're the people we really need to pray for because you actually have no understanding that this is even wrong. If you're fighting this, that's a good thing. Do you know how many times in my life as a pastor, somebody has come to me and they say to me, Ben, and I'll be honest, it's always men, right? They come to me and they say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Can we catch up? And I go, of course we can. And I know there's a 90% chance it's about pornography. And I'm right. And so many people. And, and here's the good news. If this is an issue for you, don't lose hope. Oh my gosh, this isn't the end of your story. This isn't how things have to be for the rest of your life. Do you know how many people have begun with ideas that like, it might be a pornography addiction, sure, but the issue is lust. Do you know how many people have been able to overcome those issues in their life? You don't have to live with this. And you say, well, hey, what do we do? Well, Jesus has some pretty serious advice for you. Gouge out your eyeballs (laughs) and just cut off your hands. That's serious. But you know what he's really saying? That's what we would call a hyperbole. He's using an extreme example to demonstrate a very important point. He's saying do everything that you can to remove the opportunity that you would have that would trap you. Do everything that you can to get rid of this stuff from out of your life. He says, better to get rid of all the opportunity and do anything by any means necessary. Better to do that than to go into hell. And then some of you say, wait a minute, what do you mean? Whoa, 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 going to hell? Are you saying that sexual sin means that I wouldn't be forgiven of my sins? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because the truth is, the gospel has forgiven you from all of your sins. You know, didn't I say that at the start? Well, what is he talking about? And here it is. Sexual sin 
brings shame and guilt on people like nothing I've ever seen, like nothing else that I've, I've ever seen. And what it does is it drives a wedge into your relationship with God. And maybe what it is, is that not that you wouldn't be forgiven, but you're driven so far from God that you don't ask him for forgiveness to the point that you don't have relationship. It's not that sin's more powerful than God. God will always forgive you for everything that you do. But if you let that stuff get into your heart and destroy your life, it'll destroy your relationships as well. Here's what I want to do today. I want to give you four things that I think if you do these things, that will just be so helpful to you. And the first one is this, just get rid of everything that you know you shouldn't have. It won't take you long to think about what it is. You already know. If it's uh, magazines or books or whatever it is, maybe it's a series that you're watching on Netflix right now, whatever it is. If there's something that you know is wrong, get rid of it. If there is stuff that you're viewing on your phone, 67% of pornography is now viewed just on a phone, not a computer, a phone. It's mobile, it's accessible, it's easy, it's readily available. It'll find people when they're not even looking for it. Do everything you can to get rid of everything that you've got so that you can start clean. That's number one. Number two, redirect your focus. You know, telling people to focus on the thing they're not supposed to be thinking about isn't that helpful. But I have never seen somebody somebody intensely caught up in a worship experience that was at the same time thinking about pornography. It's like where the light is, the darkness cannot exist. So if you make more room for the light, there's just less room for the dark. And I'm not saying that this is the silver bullet. That The next time you feel tempted to pursue the desires that are in your heart, I'm not saying that that means that instantly that you're cured and that all your issues are over. But I am saying that it will help you in that moment. And it will redirect your focus. And you'll feel less like engaging with the lust that's in your heart when you find yourself on your knees praising your God. Number two. Number three. Act on your values. Everyone's got them. Some are low, some are high. You know what you should do? Predetermine what they are. So in the moment, you don't need to think about it. No one is 100% strong 100% of the time. No one. And I've learnt not to negotiate with myself in the moment of temptation, this happens to me every morning when my alarm clock goes off. I say, I want to snooze. I hit the button. What am I doing? I'm negotiating. Why? I don't want to get up. I, no, wait. I said I was going to get up at six. Let's do this, right? Determine your values early so that when you find yourself in a moment, you're not trying to figure out where you really stand. Make sense? All right. That's number three. Last one, number four, be accountable. And the thing I've learned about accountability is you've got to volunteer it. It doesn't work if someone tries to hold you accountable because you just hide the stuff anyway, right? So what you need to do is you volunteer your accountability. You've got to find someone that you can be honest with. 
And if you do not have someone that you can be honest with in your life, you could be in serious trouble because all the secrets you have, they're in the dark. The secrets you have, you're the only one that knows them. And if you're the only one that knows, then no one else can help you. And you might keep that there and, and think it's going to be okay. No, you've got to bring that stuff out into the light. Do you know what I do with, with Sarah is that I say to her, I, all of my appointments I, you know, for work and everything that I have, I invite Sarah to my calendar. She can see every appointment that I ever make. And she knows where I am all of the time. And she never asks, right? It's something that I volunteer. She can have access to my mobile phone anytime she wants it. She can read any text messages I've ever sent. And if she says, I want to talk to you about whatever, I will give her the honest answer. And not because she has ever requested even one of those things. I volunteer it. And you'd be surprised how open you are to correcting your life when you volunteer your accountability as opposed to when someone tries to force you to do something that you don't want to do. Hey, no one's going to own this issue for you. It's you that needs to own this issue. It's you. And why should you do any of this? Well, let me tell you, if your hope is to avoid all the judgment that comes with God, well, I told you that you're forgiven for all of your sins. So if you're thinking, I just, I want to, I don't want to feel bad when I'm standing before God at the end of my life, that is the worst level of motivation that you can have. You are forgiven. You still will go to heaven if you've invited Jesus into your life and asked him to forgive you of your sin. But here's what it will do for you. It'll improve your relationships on earth. It will improve your relationship with your wife, your future wife, or your husband. It will improve your relationships with God so that you're not always in shame, shrinking away from His presence because you feel dirty on the inside. I'm telling you, you've got to understand this is important for you to enjoy life on planet Earth. And if you're here today, And if you were honest, you'd say, I know I'm not living up to God's standards. I'm not meeting them. I know I'm falling well below them. I want you to know that God still loves you. And your life isn't over. You know, maybe after today, it's really just going to begin. There's still plenty of hope for you. 18th century commentator Albert Bengel said this, God looks upon the heart in which, alas, what has it not committed? Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. This thing that I'm talking about today, your thoughts, the stuff that you can hide, this is an issue that affects humanity. There are people everywhere that struggle with this. And if you say, you know inside your heart, it's true, I, I, I do, you are not alone today. I want you to stand to your feet. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.